0: Welcome to the Eye on the U podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Hurricanes podcast. I'm David Wilson, and I'm joined, as always, on the other line by Susan Miller-Degnan. Susan, how's it going? It's going great as usual. Yeah, it's the same as usual, right?
1: <laughs> I, I say great. Might
0: as well be positive. Uh-huh. Um, we actually kind of have a lot to get to this week. Um, between uh, We're recording this. It is Tuesday evening um Miami got back on campus really yesterday for for workouts um we got kind of the rundown of what their screening and testing protocol looks like uh got some MLB draft stuff we we kind of ignored it a little bit last week but it was a pretty good draft I guess for Miami three guys drafted even though it's only five rounds who knows what that'll do for the 2021 team but just in terms of like it's good to get guys drafted they had three there um College Triple Hall of Fame ballot came out today. You wrote a story about the uh, UM Sports Hall of Fame, which we can talk a little bit about, um, Miami recruiting. But let's start off at the at the top with, I guess, kind of like the the biggest news of the week, which not entirely surprising news because we, we kind of knew this was maybe a target date. But yesterday, Miami is back on campus, 65 players uh, getting back into the practice facilities for... Some organized-ish team workouts, eight, eight guys at a time. Um, strength and conditioning coach David Feely and some athletic trainers can supervise. Um, uh-huh. They've got. It seems like a, a pretty good testing protocol. I mean, we neither of us are experts on on what people should be doing, but it seems you know they're testing everyone as they kind of arrive, doing the temperature monitoring, all that good stuff. Um, but it's, I mean, we've, we've kind of been monitoring every one of these steps. It's just always like, oh, it's a step in the right direction. It's a step in the right direction. And this was definitely a step. This is maybe the biggest step they've taken yet, um, even more so than like getting some of the individual group workouts, non team monitored stuff. Yeah.
1: I mean, we, like, we, we knew, we already knew they were going to be starting, but, um, you know, uh, it's it's nice that it's actually happened or it's happening, mm-hmm. and uh, and you, you know they did release all the information on testing and stuff. I don't think honestly that it was that specific what they said. I mean they they said they're gonna have right baseline COVID 19 testing. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly what's baseline. I took that COVID-19. to
0: mean like first time you show up you get tested to make sure uh, you know you're not coming oh. to campus with the with the. Right. Uh, virus.
1: Yeah, or baseline to see, yeah, right, and then but they don't really say how often they're going right. to do it. Um, you know, daily symptom and temperature screening, um, you know, uh, that's, yeah, that's good. I, I, it depends how often they test, you know? Yeah. Um, and, um, and what happens when someone actually gets sick, if they do. Uh, but I, David, I, I still don't, I'll I'll, I'll be surprised if they let us know, unless it's going to get out to the media and then they, maybe they... You're saying how many
0: positive tests they have or anything like that? Like how we found uh, out UCF had three positive tests or whatever last week? Like, you don't don't think we're going to get that?
1: Um... Like I said, I think it depends if... They're worried that people are, you know, we're gonna we're gonna know, and that we're gonna break it first. Maybe they'll yeah, yeah. be proactive and do it, you like in their own PR way, kind of. Uh, mm-hmm. That's I know that sounds insensitive, whatever, but um, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to see, we'll have to see how they go about doing it. I'm not I'm not sure. What do you think? I'm not sure if they're gonna actually tell us. They they might. Obviously, they're not gonna tell. Us Specific,
0: so yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. Saying, I think, like, UCF just said what? three players. They didn't say who it was. I think Florida State had one. They just said one player. Like, I would not necessarily be surprised about that um, if we, we kind of get that sort of info because, I mean, it's it's important info to know. It's, like, you yeah. know, it's, it. it's important just because, like... I mean, it's obviously on a way, way, way smaller scale than some of these things, but if you think back to, what, a month or maybe a month and a half ago, there was the whole controversy of um, the state wasn't kind of releasing the info of where, you know, what nursing homes had positive tests. I mean, it's just kind of the whole idea of you want to know where the, the tests, everyone wants to know where there are positive tests because you want to avoid an outbreak, and that's the idea. I mean, that's going to be the idea of, Behind what college teams are doing, you know, they're not going to be in the same bubble the way that, you know, the NBA and NHL and, and MLS are sort of proposing. But you know, the key is always just to catch it before it spreads. Um, and yeah, like, I, like like you're saying, it. A que- the question is how often are they going to test? Because that's really the way you catch it before it spreads. Um, yeah. But I yeah, agree. I mean, just transparency is a, is a big way to make sure you catch it before it spreads too. Actually,
1: now that I think about it, I think they will say it because you know what? We're going to find out. Mm-hmm. we're gonna find out we have sources we're, yeah. we're gonna find out and better that
0: they should just let us know <laughs> yeah so and again um, like you know i don't want to downplay the the seriousness of the virus obviously but for that age group it's not it has not been life threatening any more life threatening than a lot of other you know sicknesses you might get like it's not it's not like it's a it's not like when when someone gets it, they're they're in serious grave medical, you know. They might be, but but the odds are that they're not going to be. It's not a necessarily serious medical issue. It's, the issue is, is it going to spread to the whole team? That that's really the concern that all these teams are having. Yeah, I I would
1: have to agree with that. Yeah, although there's there have been plenty of um, yeah.
0: Obviously, it's you know it's it could RC happen. And
1: then even in late twenties who died. These guys are supposed to be in good shape, but you know there's. People in fantastic shape. The
0: thing they have on their side is youth. Yeah. You know, know, it's sad, and and it's really the concern is, uh, do you get it, and do you have an underlying medical condition you don't, you might not know about, like, especially kids that young, you don't know, you know, you're not, you don't know if a a medical concern can pop up that you have no idea about, um, you don't find out about until you're older, like that. That's that's always, I think, the biggest concern. But again, like I said, these college teams, I don't think. You know, there's uh I don't know what the mortality rate is for people in their twenties, but it's obviously very low. The bigger concern is you don't want everyone on the team to get it, and then you're totally locked down for two weeks.
1: And by the way, your coaches.
0: And the coaches, yes. Although Miami has a very young coaching staff.
1: Um, yeah, but I. But other people, you know, them. other
0: people around the the program are older, obviously.
1: I, you know, if 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 you're overweight. Yeah, you know, you're, you're in it. I mean, there, there, there's, there's concerns. Yeah, you
0: know. Oh. Um. Also, not necessarily a Miami football related note, but but also yesterday, the Julio Frank said the plan is to have students on campus in the fall, which that
1: was a really good story, by the way. I, yeah, which I, seemed like it was I, going I, to
0: be what happened, but that's kind of the f- official confirmation of that's the plan. Good story,
1: but yeah, I mean, a uh, Mm-hmm. Good story. I, re- I read that today. Actually, it was in the paper today. Yes. And, um, um, yeah, uh, lots of lots of stuff in that story, lots of detail uh, that was in today's Miami Herald. Um, the, you know, like the, they're making the fall break shorter. It's kind mm-hmm. of interesting because, I mean, you know, the football players are students also.
0: Right. Oh so well, yeah, they were never going to play football if there were no students on campus. I'm right. still, I continue to think that. Just You can't justify keeping just 100 kids on campus just to play football if no one else is no. there.
1: And, the, and they're starting the semesters beginning August 17th, mm-hmm. okay? Um, and they're ending the semester November 20th, it says the Friday right. April so before you don't Thanksgiving. Have, so you don't have to travel
0: back after Thanksgiving. Yeah, really
1: interesting. So that means it's very smart. Student, it would mean student return to campus after traveling for a Thanksgiving break. Of course, um, the football players, there is a there's a game Thanksgiving.
0: Yeah, Wait. that would be the last game of the regular season, I believe, right?
1: that the last is it Duke? And I don't
0: have my Do you I know have the my last schedule? or the second to last. Kind of it depends on how the calendar falls usually.
1: Yeah, the last one. It might be Duke because last year it was Duke there. It was Duke
0: there, so it should be Duke in Miami, I think.
1: It's gonna be. Yeah, um, it's gonna be in Miami. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, the whole the whole thing, the way they're doing it on campus, could be very interesting. I, I thirty five thousand students. Um, that they have some kind of app that they're going to have to, add, a mobile app, a series of questions they want them to answer every day.
0: Mhm. Yeah, again, it's, you know, it's the same idea like you were talking about with the coaches. The concern is the professors. Um, but as Manny Diaz has said, I think pretty much every time he has spoken publicly over the last 3 months, like you couldn't ask for a better university president to be dealing with this situation than uh Julio Frank, given his background as an epidemiologist.
1: Oh, fantastic. Everybody complained. It's just, its like they used to say that Donna Shalala, you know, only cared about the med school and all that stuff. But they're saying that about Julio Frank. Mm-hmm. I mean, more power to him. He's, i really like him. He's very, very smart and, uh, um, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, it's great. His, he, this is right, right up his alley. So him,
0: him um, basically I, saying that they're going to have students on campus actually, like, is. Probably the thing that has given me the most confidence about this whole situation in the last week is, you know, because as we're talking, the state keeps reopening and the cases keep going up. And and obviously there are different reasons for the case counts going up. You know, we are testing more people like uh, Ron DeSantis has kind of been harping on. But, you know, you can never just look at one metric to kind of follow this seriousness of um, the outbreak, I, I think um you know our news side i think it was ben Connark, who who's kind of been covering the whole coronavirus for us basically wrote that story talking to some epidemiologists and the, the big takeaway i had was like you can't just look at one number you can't just look at the rising case count you can't just look at the rising testing numbers um julio frank is obviously a guy that knows all of that and the fact that he is at least has a plan in place to get students back on campus in the fall makes me think that that you know, that it's realistic, it's not a crate, it's not like, you know, some of these other presidents who have these plans, they don't, they don't have the same level of qualification as him. Um, so him basically laying this out gives me a good amount of confidence that at least this thing is going to be in decent enough shape by the fall to, to potentially play football. Yeah, I, I, I agree,
1: David. I think they're, you know, I would say they're going to play. The details we still don't know, but um,
0: I I I feel they're uh, they're on schedule to play and they're going to. Yeah, and you I mean because that obviously the big talk you know the, the kind of news story down here for the last week has been um the like I said the rising case counts and kind of the debate yeah. of how serious that is like what. Yeah, Miami-Dade County, the whole state of Florida, I mean, Orange County has been, you know, that's relevant to the MLS and NBA bubbles. Um, like, that. that's kind of been the story is, are we opening too quickly? Are we going to, are we about to see this second wave? Um, and that's that's basically where I think that Julio Frank, coming out and saying this, again, he is, they, they can always change plans. You know, nothing ever has to be set in stone these days. But, um... It gives me, you know, he's a guy that obviously knows what he's talking about. And and he's got his reasons, obviously, you know, financial reasons to want to open the university. But, um, you know, he's going to be more cautious than I think than your typical school president. Um, and it just gives me a little bit more, you know, the, for the last week, I was, I was sort of had fallen back to being maybe concerned about whether we were going to get a season or anything like that. But but this just kind of pushes it back toward confidence, even if it's not, even if I'm not where I was three weeks ago, I'm, I'm feeling better than I was like three days ago.
1: Yeah, I am, yeah, I'm definitely feeling better. I think though it's a lot of it is because they're actually back.
0: Yeah, that's true too. (laughs) They're back working at,
1: you know, so it seems like, it seems reality. I just don't, I just think a lot of this has to do with, with us, with people out, out there and. I know there are a lot of people who, I mean, I, you know, I I was around Miami-Dade, I live in Broward, but I was in Miami-Dade, uh, it was in Miami Beach yesterday, and mm-hmm. the day before, and there are, there are people, a lot of people wearing masks, and there are a lot of people that are not, and um, when they go into shops, you know, a coffee shop, or a, you know, I was around Lincoln Road and Lincoln Mall. Then they have to put it on and
0: yeah.
1: wait. But 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 uh, but otherwise, while they're waiting, okay, online or whatever, they're talking to their friends and they're lifting the mask all the way up. For <laughs> I, which drives me nuts. But then I know a lot of people drives them nuts that I care that much about wearing wearing the mask. You know, so I, I just think it depends on how these students and people. You know, if, if they follow what they're supposed to or the protocol, I, I just, I don't
0: know. I, I, I think a lot of people are not. That's just my opinion. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll say this. I would, On Sunday, I was out uh, at Homestead because we had our first sporting event down in uh-huh. South Florida since the coronavirus pandemic. And, you know, it was weird. There, there were a thousand fans. First of all, it lightning all day. So the... The crowd was really small by the end of the day. But, you know, there were a thousand people in those those bleachers, which I think seat usually about 50,000. Um, you know, we had, there were probably about, I don't know, 15 of us in the press box that usually seats 45 or something like that. You know, we were all spaced out. We had to wear our masks the whole time. Um, it was probably like the longest, it was definitely the longest consecutive time I've, I'd gone like wearing a mask, you know, doing it for 10 hours straight or whatever it was that I was out there. Um, And, you know, it's it's annoying, but you get used to it. And I think that's just going to be, you know, people are going to get used to it. I know people don't like wearing them. I know, you know, people don't like, don't want to see, like, governments mandate it. But I think, you know, it's going to be the path to being able to reopen these things where you want a lot of people in one place. These individual leagues, these individual schools, these individual businesses, they're going to require it because it's how you're going to be able to reopen. so People just got to get used to it.
1: If people don't want to do it, whether it's mandated or not, they're going to pull them down below their chin or whatever. No one's going to arrest them. So it's just a matter of how much people
0: chip in. Yeah, I mean, according to Miami's protocol, they're requiring everyone to have masks on. I mean, who knows, like, I don't know if that applies, like, when they're lifting or whatever, but, you know, when they're just walking around on campus, you know, we saw the University of Miami like tweeted out a couple pictures of I think like it was DJ Ivy and Amari Carter walk onto campus. They had masks oh, yeah. on. Like that's how they're gonna be able to get this done. Like there there are ways to get it done. It's not it's gonna be weird. It's not gonna be ideal, but um, you know, there are ways there are ways to make something sure. happen this fall. They're
1: not gonna play with masks
0: on No, they're right, not so. Yeah. But should be interesting. But you you got to do it as long as you can, right? Like it, it's better to better to do it for some of the day than than for none of the day. All right, uh, we got a kind of a bunch of different topics we can hit on to wrap up here. Um, let's start with baseball though, because we kind of ignored it last week. Um, I, I think we mentioned at the back at the end of the episode we kind of ran out of time before we could do a preview of the draft. But um, last Wednesday was the First round in the MLB draft, Slade Zaccone gets drafted. The next day, um, Chris McMahon and Freddie Zamora get drafted on the second day. Uh, Monday, Brian Van Bell signs with the Red Sox as an undrafted free agent. Um, Uh Tyler Kaiser signed, I think, with the Reds earlier today. Uh, Another one of the senior pitchers. Um, All in all, like, a good draft for Miami just in, like, terms of, like, hey, it's great they had three guys drafted in this five-round draft. They might have been the most or or second most. They were definitely up there um, in terms of, like, sheer number of players drafted. But it was just a reminder, like, it kind of sucks that we didn't get to see that 2020 season play out, considering, like, and obviously Freddie Zamora was was hurt anyway, like, so. But, yeah, that that three-headed pitching staff was, was, I mean, obviously showing signs that they were going to be special, and, and we just never got to see it.
1: You know, I I really agree with them. I think it could have been definitely a special season, Um, but I think that UM and I I did write a story um, that ran on Monday. Mm -hmm. But I um I think UM's in really good shape, David, for next season. If if there's a next, let's just hope there's a baseball season, but there should be. And I think um I think UM's in great shape. They 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 lost. The two pitchers, they knew they were, you know, they were gonna McMahon and Sakoni. They yep. knew they were gonna lose them, and um, and 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 the thing is, and losing Zamora, I mean, he he tore his ACL, I think in the right knee, yep. and so that's gonna take a while to rehab, no matter what. Um, and I, you know what? I, yeah, he was very good defensively. Um. Signing classes in the nation, their their 2021 uh, signees. Um, mm-hmm. and they only lost one of them. Yep. Normally, in a normal draft of 40 rounds, they would have lost a lot of those kids. They would have lost several of those kids, and and now they all they lost was one kid, um, and that was um, uh, Sammy Infante, who's a senior yep. short shortstop. Right, he was taken by the Washington Doing Nationals. The Right, 71st overall in the third round. Otherwise, they've got they've got this, uh, this right-handed pitcher, Victor Medeiros. They've got another a Miami Christian right-handed pitcher, Alejandro Rosario. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've got a shortstop, this kid, Yohandi. Uh, they call him Yo-Yo, Yo-yo. Morales.
0: Yep.
1: Uh, and a catcher, Carlos Perez. And that pitcher... Uh, uh, oh, excuse me, that shortstop, Yo-Yo Morales is supposed to be amazing, amazing. I mean, people say he can, you know, start as a true freshman. He's very, very good. Um, and in a way, I, it, it's, it's, it's fine that, you know, they, the UM lost their shortstop because they, they have more than one really good shortstop now. And uh, this the, the catcher, is supposed to be one of the best defensive players, catchers in the nation um, that they're getting the new kid, and they've got some really good pitchers coming in. So, and I know they lost Man Bell, who was their ace, and that's that's big. I think.
0: Yeah, the uh, the pitching staff is what, like that's what when you look back, you're like that was the missed opportunity, right? This three headed monster of a pitching staff doesn't come along. I I, I mean it had to be. There are not very many t- teams that have two pitchers get drafted in the first, like, 40 picks or whatever. And then the best I, pitcher of the three isn't is even one of those two guys. Like, it was a potentially all-time great pitching staff that we just, you know, didn't get to see a lot of. That's true. But we
1: see a, that happens a lot at UM. I mean, Ciccone actually um, was not having a phenomenon. Yes, his numbers were not
0: great yet. Or 12-4, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I think they only played 16 games, and Ciccone wasn't actually phenomenal as far as his numbers go. Yeah, Van um, Bell had been dominant.
1: Yeah. I I mean, I think I think they're going to be really good. I think they're going to have a really good infield, a really good outfield. They're going to have everything. They're, uh, their signing class was rated as high as number two in the nation. Yeah. And think about it. Think about it. They only lost one kid off that.
0: Yeah. Uh, class. yeah, yeah, their, so bat, their bats are going to be really good. Terrell coming back, obviously, also. like. Uh, oh, Terrell,
1: oh, my God. Terrell? I mean, every time. I love watching that kid play. Every time he swings a bat, it's like, you know, boom. It hits the garage, the U.S. parking garage. I mean, uh, he's real good. He's real. And he's smart. He gets good grades um, in school. He's a leader. Uh, Gino told me that. That night, as soon as the draft ended, and you know he had to be disappointed
0: because he—he was was a borderline, borderline guy, kind of.
1: Borderline, but borderline. Yeah, definitely borderline. And just the fact that he was calling all the young kids, the signees, and and, and, like getting them all, you know, all psyched up for the season and get ready to work and stuff. That's if you're a coach, you've got to love that. So I'm. I mean, I love college baseball, and um, I hope they're back to normal <laughs> this coming year. Yeah,
0: it was it was looking like it was gonna be a really fun year, and, and it, it sucks that we just didn't get that. Obviously. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah, especially you
1: UM, had some hard on hard times the yeah, last few yeah, yeah. years, but they're they're coming back.
0: Mhm. Um, all right. Next up on my list, uh, Ken Dorsey makes the College Football Hall of Fame ballot. Ray Lewis and Dan Morgan also on the list of, I think, 78 players, which was announced uh, this morning. Uh, Ray Lewis and, and Dan Morgan have been on the ballot for a couple years. Uh, Howard Schnellenberger once again left off. Um, Dan Morgan, like, feels like he's got to get it at some point. And Ken yeah, Dorsey maybe, maybe, too.
1: Maybe it's just that we're so close. To him, you know what I mean, in the South Florida. Mm-hmm. You know he, he's an icon here. Um, but you know, in Miami, I'm. I'm
0: is Schnellenberger, you're saying? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you saying, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sch- Schnellenberger. So yeah. you just, you know, you're you're waiting. But maybe what I'm saying is maybe it's we're being more myopic or something. Maybe it's more because he's so important to to our South Florida sports history for University of
0: Miami. Well, yeah, it's like, I think a lot of people down here, like when you see people kind of write the case or make the case for Schnellenberger, it's always mentioned that he like founded FAU football pretty much. But like, I don't know if on a national scale, people care about that. Yeah, I agree.
1: Totally agree. Now it doesn't
0: matter because he still probably should be in basic. I mean, so the reason he's not in is the Hall of Fame requires a 60% win percentage for coaches to be considered and he is like at 51 um, so they would have to make an exception for him and I don't believe they have ever made an exception since they instituted that rule in the 90s there's, a, there's quite a few guys who have a winning percentage worse than 60% but they were all inducted before that threshold was put in place um, but again I mean he's the architect of arguably the most important dynasty of the 20th century right?
1: Um, yeah, absol- absolutely, no doubt. And he was kind of, uh, you know, he helped helped open the book or whatever. Um, but yeah, the fifty-one point one career winning percentage—I guess that's going to hurt him. It's going to hurt among—I mean, it's it's just not South Florida people voting or whatever, right. I You know, I vote for that. But um, uh, I think they actually they have a ton of voters. Um, yeah, it's like
0: twelve thousand people vote. I, uh,
1: personally, I—I um, I mean, I think that Dan Morgan, like, without a doubt.
0: Yeah, he feels like he's got to get in at some point.
1: I—I I mean, but I—what a great guy, and he's just um, so—he was so important to that program, and. Um, he, he he just. I mean, he did everything at UM. I mean, he, and and nationally too. Uh, so uh, I mean, he 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 won the buck in one year. He won the Buckus, the Bednarik, and what was the third one? He won three major trophies. Uh, the Buckus, the, Nagurski, the Bednarik, Bednarik, and the Nagurski. And, yeah, and the Buckus. Yeah. yeah, I went to that Buckus ceremony that was pretty cool mm-hmm. um but the, he was so dominant David oh my god he was so dominant he was t- he totally played injured all the time all the time he played with you know broken fingers and every everything you could imagine every appendage was like <laughs> wounded and that guy was so good and, and such a nice guy um yeah I mean, I'm a big Dan Morgan fan, Um, and, uh, you know, and he played at a time, you know, he didn't get to, it was 2000 when he won all those major awards, right, first team All-American, everything, and he never got to, um, you know, win the title, I think, 97, he came in, yeah, and it was his first year, and he was the cl- he was the class that came in that wanted to get them back. Mm-hmm. You know, they were it, they were had scholarship reductions and sanctions with the NCAA, and um, yeah, I, I like I think he needs to be in that UM Ring of Honor. I've written stories on that. I don't know how he's not in the Ring of Honor. How yeah. how is that?
0: All time leader I, in tackles, I, a lot of, like you're saying that, that that all time leader in tackles at the school. Um, oh, yeah. like you're saying, that that three-trophy sweep, I think he's still the only guy to do that. He was definitely the first. I, and he was at least
1: the first. Yeah, I he was definitely the, the first. Ones, but um, also, you know, lots of times I, I know that, I guess, Ray Lewis is up for it. And I know that guys that are great, great players in the pros, and they're, of course, of course, Ray Lewis was, you know, Outstanding at U.M., but yeah. sometimes guys are better in the pros. Let's say, but because they're hall of famers or whatever in the pros, people think automatically they should be in college too. And it's not always—it's not always that way.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and more—it's so, not even like Morgan was like nothing in the pros. Like he was hall pro. <laughs> he just had a short career because of injuries. Yeah. So like,
1: he was injured. yeah, yeah, I don't know. He was injured. He was just injured. Yeah. I'm gonna like defensive of him. He I mean, was just always, in, in, I think in the pros too, you Yeah, know? he
0: only lasted like six or seven years because of injuries. And I, and I think it was,
1: if I, recall, I know his first round, I
0: think he was like 14th overall. I mean, he was picked uh, yeah. very yeah, high. 11th. High numbers, yeah. So. Yeah, so he should, I, I think he'll get in at some point. Ken Dorsey's the other new guy on the ballot this year, and he's another, uh-huh. like it's kind of weird, it's interesting because like, he is definitely not like the face of those 2000, early 2000 teams. Like, I, you obviously think of all the great defensive players they had. You think of, you know, the wide receivers. Obviously, Andre Johnson, Reggie Wayne. You think of the running backs, Clinton Portis, Wilson McGahee. Yeah. But he was the two-time Heisman finalist. He was the All-American quarterback. Um, it was that he was a finalist. Like I, I, like those. I
1: also went to those Heisman Trophy ceremonies and stuff. We we knew he, we we knew knew he wasn't going to win the yeah. Heisman. Pre- I, it's just that um, if you like, I, if you covered the team then you know like I did I was so embro- like in the center of that team mm-hmm. and Dorsey was the he was the like what's the word the the, the, the nerve center yeah uh, that it, to me I mean it, it yeah they had McGahey and Andre Johnson was a beast it was unbelievable Ed Reed and all those guys but Dorsey was like the uh, cer- you know, cerebral quarterback. He was. I, I. I used to watch when we had away games. I remember, you know, a, f- a few times I would be at the same hotel as the guys were staying, and I mm-hmm. remember seeing him outside. Let's say early in the morning, sitting on a curb by himself, like outside the little hotel area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he would take his. He would take his fist and kind of thump, imagine he's sitting there, you know, like the thinker kind of, on the curb, and he would just take his, with his wrist, he would take his, like his fist and pound it gently against his head with his eyes closed over and over Uh and over, like he was thinking of things. It was amazing, I used to watch him in the morning. He was so cerebral, and maybe he wasn't the best in the world as far as obviously the pros and stuff like that, but he was such a great college quarterback, really. He yeah. was smart, and all he did was deliver the ball to where it needed to go. You know? Yeah. Green passes and short little passes, and he he was a great leader.
0: Yeah, he's a guy that obviously I think as time has gone on has gotten more and more underrated because, again, he didn't have the professional career that so many of those guys on that team did. And even, like I said, at the time, as you know, as I was a little kid – following those teams from afar. Not a Miami fan, just liked them because they had all these flashy guys. Uh, you know, he, was, he wasn't, he was like, the, the favorite because he was, like you're saying, he was the cerebral kind of just, like, made the machine work. But he does have kind of the best resume of anyone from those teams. You know, again, as a two-time Heisman finalist, as a first-team All-American, he won the Maxwell Award one year as the the best offensive player in the country. Like, his resume, you know, the numbers don't necessarily pop Although they do, in you know, when they don't pop when you compare it to modern day stat lines, but he has the best resume of anyone from those teams when you look at the awards, um, and you know he is still, I think, second all time in passing yards at Miami behind Brad Kaya, all time leader in touchdown passes. He's the winningest quarterback in program history, um, and yeah, he, he's another guy that just looking at the resume, a blind resume test. He's a guy who should be in the Hall of Fame, also.
1: Yeah, I agree, and I think what you said is right on the money. As far as, uh, as far as if you then, if you just, if you just look at a lot of people, like I said too, look at the pro career. Yeah.
0: You know. They, it's a, yeah, it's it's honestly not, the like, same as with Ray Lewis and Dan Morgan. Where like, you see the names, and you even think about what they were in college, you might say Ray Lewis is the bet, like deserves to be in over Dan Morgan oh. and you can make a case that both do um, but if you just oh. put the stat the career stats up against one another and the career awards Dan Morgan is easily like the mo- more deserving candidate but again Ray Lewis his two years there I think he is the number 1 and number 2 tackle seasons in Miami history so like all three should probably get in eventually but particularly Dorsey and Morgan have I think unassailable resumes yeah all right. Um you want to talk about the Hall of Fame before we wrap up here. There's also a little recruiting. Um yeah. where, where do you want to go first? Recruiting stuff or uh the UM Hall of Fame that you wrote about last week, I guess at this point? Well,
1: we can we can we can talk about the Hall of Fame. Okay. Um th- yeah. Uh, so the UM Sports Hall of Fame uh you know, put out a message to fans, which caught my eye, and uh, a little letter saying that they needed help because of the the you know coronavirus yeah. pandemic. They had to cancel their biggest fundraiser, the the this fishing tournament. They usually they usually raise about forty thousand dollars from it, and the the, the um, induction banquet was was well. Probably going to be canceled. It was postponed. It was supposed to be, and they they then came the pandemic. They had to postpone it, and now they're thinking of October. But they they kind of know they're they're probably not going to be able to do it in October either. So it's um, it's all but canceled, I think. Um, and they need money to help them. It's in this building, you know, next to the Hecht Athletic Center, and uh, it's a nonprofit. And UM, UM, they built the, the UM Sports Hall of Fame as an independent nonprofit, right. uh, you know, nonprofit association or whatever. And they, um, they deeded the building back to UM. So UM, I guess, does the maintenance of it. But but the Hall of Fame, it's an amazing place, David. Amazing. They they take care of all these. There's so many UM greats in history. It's unbelievable. And they have some really cool artifacts in there, but they need, they need money. They, mm-hmm. they need money to keep, to keep it running. And, um, you know, just to do what they need to do. And, and they have no fundraisers now kind of because of this pandemic. So I wrote a story just letting people know, Hey, help. And people really came through. Uh, people came through, I, I guess, um, they had a $10,000 goal at first, and now they're up to a $20,000 goal. Um, I think they've, so far, they've started a GoFundMe page, and they've made about uh, 11000 I think 11500 as of today, and they've sold about 6000 in merchandise, which was cool. They put online this, all this cool stuff that mm-hmm. people have signed, famous athletes that went to UM, and Hall of Famers, and they've sold about six thousand in merchandise. I think though, they have to pay for shipping and handling, and the so and it includes frames. A lot of it, it's really cool stuff. So, um, you know, I mean, hey, they need any, every penny they can get, and I think that some of the players are going to do some things too. Some of the Hall of Famers are going to try to come through. So, I'm very happy that that's working out. Apparently, some. Somebody, uh, some guy donated six thousand eight hundred. Like in the wee hours. Yeah. I might, I might write about that. Um, it's, it's an interesting backstory. I might do something about that actually soon.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, it's kind of goes with what we were talking about with the Hall of Fame. It's just like the, the sheer number of guys who, who did it, not just at the college level but the pro level. Like, it's gotta be one of the coolest. You know, I, I haven't been to a lot of. Colleges' Hall of Fames, but it's got to be one of the deepest Hall of Fames you could find. You know, like I'm sure, like at UNC, they have a really cool basketball setup and and Michael Jordan stuff. And like I went to Syracuse; they have some cool stuff, particularly about like Ernie Davis and Jim Brown. But Miami, again, just like the sheer number of guys that are are involved with that Hall of Fame. It's oh my God.
1: Yeah. Michael it's Irvin, basically like
0: unparalleled. We're
1: talking about like they have pro forget college. I mean, they have pro football hall of favors, right? They've got yeah. Mike Orvin, Ted Hendricks, Ray Lewis. I mean, they, it, it goes on and on. How about diving? Greg Luganis. um, Ryan Braun in baseball, Rick Barry mm-hmm. in basketball, um, Lauren Williams, Olympians galore, track and field, and Gardner Malloy, one of the all-time great tennis players. It's just a really cool place. So I'm happy people are coming through and and... and you know, donating a little bit of money and and, and getting
0: some cool memorabilia. All right. Um, I think we can wrap things up there. Uh, maybe we'll, we'll touch on – we'll do recruiting next week if it's a little quieter because it's there's been a lot of good news for Miami on that front. Uh, they got Romello Brinson from Miami Northwestern over the weekend committed. Uh,
1: yeah. Good receivers, huh? Really, yeah,
0: they got two really good receivers in the last two weeks. I've um, got four kids from Northwestern committed. Uh, all the the rage the, today is uh, they're all trying to flip this Jake Garcia quarterback from USC. Um, I thought, right. So they're having fun, like you know, right. And I, I think there are a lot of you know, the, the the camaraderie of this class is pretty encouraging. I think if you're a Miami fan, as just as much as like the the talent they have in this class. Um, maybe we'll talk more about that next week. Uh, let's see how this uh, Jake Garcia thing maybe develops, and you know, it seems like this stuff changes on the recruiting show pretty much every day. So um, let's do that next week if it's a little quieter. Until then, though, I think we can wrap things up. Uh, you can follow Susan on Twitter at sMillerDegnan. Uh, check out her; she talked to Gina Damari about Miami baseball. Like she said, check that story out. She's writing about the UM Hall of Fame, and you, you said you're going to follow up on that uh, sometime this week, you think? Yeah, I, would, uh,
1: I wouldn't I mind doing that. That would be, yeah, I would like to,
0: yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can follow me yeah. on Twitter, at DBWilson2. Um, if you're curious what sporting events look like these days, check out mine and Jordan McPherson's coverage from uh, Homestead. I, I feel like we painted a pretty good picture of what it's like there. Um, you know, what, what the first test run of uh, sports with fans in attendance kind of looked like. Uh, It was weird, but it was cool. Um,
1: Yeah, the sports were kind of cool,
0: too. Yeah. Yeah, so I think we'll uh, finish things up there. Um, Thanks, as always, for listening, and uh, we will uh, talk to you guys next week.
1: Take care, everyone.